informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. We wrap up another week, really moving through this month of August. Coming up today, we're going to get an update on the Farm Bill from the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson. As uh, the House continues on their August recess, we're getting closer, though, to everybody getting back in September, and things will pick up on the Farm Bill. What's being done in the meantime, we will get an update and look ahead to that conference committee. Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity, will join us. We're going to talk about gene editing and a coalition for responsible gene editing in agriculture that has been established. And we'll talk about food issues, food labeling issues, biotechnology, all that coming up a little bit later. And Pat Wolf with the American Farm Bureau Federation will also join us more on the taxes and that uh, 20% tax deduction that could be helpful to some farmers and ranchers. We'll get an update on that as well. But first, speaking of updates... Let's talk about waters of the U.S. A federal judge has ruled that the EPA and Army Corps of Engineers improperly suspended the waters of the U.S. rule, allowing it to take effect in 26 states where it has not been blocked by court order. Let's get an update on this. What does this mean? We bring in Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Don, thanks for joining us. Uh, Explain this ruling for us and and its impact. Well, Mike, it's kind of a setback. Uh, unfortunately, we've got 26 states uh, around the country that is not covered by an injunction for uh, implementation of the 2015 voters rule. So, you know, as of right now, the 2015 voters rule is in effect in those 26 states. Uh, we hope to be uh, working diligently in the court system to try to get an injunction put into place. And we also are encouraging uh, this administration to move as diligently as possible to um to finalize a rule that that repeals the 2015 rule and you know our only message to them those guys are to uh, dot every i and cross every t okay so let's try to clear this up that the old rule the 2015 rule is now back in place in 26 states but we still have 24 states where there are court injunctions keeping it from being in place is that right that is correct. Uh, hopefully, we're going to have other. Um, you know, we're going to we're going to be asking additional judges to take a look at this and to put an injunction into place because every court that has looked at it so far has uh, has ruled that that's an illegal that's an illegal rule. What does this do then to efforts to repeal it? I mean, as you said, this is a setback. The Trump administration uh, was uh, basically in the process of doing away with that rule, where does, what does this do to that process? Well, Mike, what it does is highlight just how important it is for the administration to do its job correctly. Regardless of how bad that 2015 rule is, you know, it didn't comply with the Clean Water Act. It probably violated the Constitution and due process and the Commerce Clause. We, we fully believe in the courts that have looked at it so far, although they haven't made a final ruling and said that. But they have to get rid of it correctly. They have to dot their I's and have to dot, uh, cross their T's in the administrative uh, process so that, that we can put this rule to bed for good. Um, that's where we are. Now, this latest ruling, which basically puts the WOTUS rule back in effect for those 26 states, Will it be appealed, do you think? 
Uh, it will be appealed, Mike. Uh, but uh, again, we're not optimistic. Uh, the case law in that particular circuit is is not necessarily on our side administratively. And you know, from that standpoint, you know, administrative law is important, and we want the administration, this administration, to to follow that law and follow it correctly, so that we can get rid of this rule. All right, I I think it's even more confusing now than it was when you have some states that have the rule, old rules, some states that do not because of a court injunction, and then the, the efforts to get a new rule. All this happening at the same time is confusing. Uh, it is hugely confusing, and, and we have core districts in this country that, that are going to be splitting the line. They're going to be implying the old rule in, in one set of counties in one state, and they're going to be ply, applying the 2015 rule across the state line in another set of counties. I don't know how you can get much more confusing than that. Uh, for the regulated community, I believe this is going to have an impact on the economy because I don't know anybody in those 26 states are going to want to get out and get a permit to put a, put a shovel in the ground. And I think that's going to have you know a detrimental impact on, on economic growth and economic activity because that 2015 rule was a significant overreach. And I don't know anybody, unless they've just got their backs against the wall, that, go, that are going to want to go out there and have the Corps of Engineers uh, give them a permit on something they probably don't need a permit for. Is there a chance of a, another judge granting a nationwide injunction on this? Uh, absolutely. Uh, we know that the North Dakota judge at least initially looked at that we know that the the south georgia judge uh recognizes the importance of it uh we're also uh, the case that the american farm bureau federation and a lot of other national organizations in south texas uh we've we have today moved for that judge to provide a nationwide injunction because we have members on both sides of this issue and the last thing we need is is this rule going into effect in some states and not others well, it seems like the further we go, the more confusing it gets. Uh, hopefully there's clarity coming at some point. How long might that be, Don? It could be a while. Um, we know that, that whatever happens in this, in, this, in this process within the court system, it's ultimately going to make its way to the Supreme Court. Uh, this rule is that important. This rule not only regulates water that we all understand and want to protect, we're all for clean water, but where this rule runs afoul, this 2015 rule runs afoul of what we think the Constitution and the Clean Water Act, is it gives the agencies the authority to regulate land use. And that's, that's not what Congress intended in the Clean Water Act, and, and it clearly is going to have an impact on small businesses that are going to have a hard time navigating the rules. It's going to have an impact on farmers and ranchers as well. Ironically, we're talking about the Clean Water Act, but all these moves seem to be muddying the waters. Well, uh, yes, there's a lot of puns. Uh, I had a friend of mine, Scott Yeager, from the National Cattlemen's Association, call the 2015 rule a zombie, a zombie rule. And uh, I kind of believe that. It's it come back to life, and uh, it's not a, it, the results are not going to be good. So at this point, we wait for the next court ruling? Uh, we do, and we also just finished a, a comment period on a supplemental notice. Uh, we think a very strong notice from uh, from this administration to repeal the 2015 rule. It closed on Monday, but 
you know, in all likelihood, it's going to take two to three months for the agencies to get through all of the comments they received during that comment period before they can actually move to um, repeal that rule. So, again, I think the next move will be in the courts, and we're very hopeful and optimistic that we're going to get a nationwide injunction. Okay, that old rule just won't go away, and the process continues. As you said, a setback, but there's still more work to be done. Don, thank you for the update. Absolutely. Thank I could. Thanks, and proud to be here, Mike. And uh, All right. hope your listeners, as they uh, as they deal with this issue, um, you know, deal with it cautiously, because the last thing we need is is a lot of issues arising in and out of agriculture on this issue. So, uh, good luck, and and we'll do what we can to help them. Thank you very much. Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. We'll talk Farm Bill next with the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson, next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by 
Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And we welcome back the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Congressman Colin Peterson from Minnesota. Thanks for joining us again. How's the August recess going? Well, not too bad. Uh, it's been a little hot a couple days. We need some rain up north, and we got too much rain down south, so it's just like normal. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're out talking with folks, uh, especially farmers, what are they telling you? What's the, what's the top of their minds? What, uh, what, uh, is it farm bill? Is it trade? What, what's number one? I probably uh, trade uh, their um, apprehension about what's going on with the trade situation. Uh, probably comes up more than anything else. But uh, the farm bill comes up, you know, and uh, whether we're going to get it done or not. Um, um, so that's, but I guess probably the number one thing is weather <laughs> mm-hmm. out here. Uh, it's uh, We just got done um, working with uh, USDA to get a – uh, designation for Kitson, Lake of the Woods, and Roseau County, way up by the Canadian border, uh, to be able to uh, hay their CRP. Uh, there were some glitches in the drought monitor map and so forth, and uh, we got that released yesterday afternoon. So there was a, I was up there. There was a real shortage of of hay in that area because they've been so dry, and uh, so hopefully uh, they'll be able to get in there and get it cut the next couple of weeks. Well, let's talk Farm Bill. How much is going on during this August recess? How much uh, behind-the-scenes work uh, is being done? Well, there's a lot going on. The staff's been uh, very heavily engaged. Uh, they're working on, uh, uh, you know, every day, um, all day long and into the early evening. Uh, we had a conference call yesterday. Uh, it was the second one uh, between the four of us, and it, it went well, and Everybody is, you know, totally committed to getting this uh, this thing done by September 30th. So uh, we laid out kind of where we we're at and uh, where some of the issues are. Uh, we're going to have the, apparently the public meeting is going to be on September 5th, and uh, you know we're making very good progress in a number of the titles. There, number of them are close to being uh, worked out. Uh, Chairman Conaway, I think, rightly brought up the uh, situation that uh, the um, um, probably the two issues that are going to require some work are going to be obviously nutrition and also conservation and the overall money situation. So um, it was unclear to me how those issues are going to get resolved. Um, uh, but you know, everybody says we're going to get them resolved, so we'll, we'll see what happens. The uh, nutrition thing, you know, which caused us a lot of problem in the House, um, 
what I'm doing with that is I'm really backing out of that whole discussion. And I've just told uh, Chairman Conaway that uh, whatever he can work out with the Senate is okay with me. Uh, and I keep hearing from Senator, Con- uh, Senator um, Stabenow that um, what was done in the House uh, is not going to fly with the Democrats in the Senate. And uh, without the Democrats in the Senate, they won't have a bipartisan bill, which they say they're going to have. So how that's going to get worked out is unclear, but hopefully it is. And, um, and as I said, if, uh, whatever they can get the Senate to agree to, I don't see that I'll have any problem uh, with that. Yeah, along those lines, uh, Senator Cornyn, the number two Republican leader, said this week that he was disappointed the Senate passed bill does not include stronger reforms to SNAP. Uh, meanwhile, Senator Doug Jones uh, this week said uh, that uh, in Alabama, he said that uh, if they try to put those onerous requirements on SNAP, it will not pass and we will not get a farm bill passed. So it sounds like we're we're still at opposite ends on this uh, issue. Well, but they had a vote in the Senate. <clears throat> the vote was 30 to 68 on this issue, you know, and and the bill passed 86 to 11. So, I mean, this is what I've been telling people for a couple months, that, uh, you know, get real, that if you want a bill, this is where it's at. And so, again, if whatever the Republicans in the House can get the Senate to agree to, I don't see that I'm going to have any problem with whatever they come up with. Now, are there reforms that I would like to see in SNAP? Yes. Um, were they included in the House bill? No. Uh, but that's time has passed. You know, that I'm not getting any more arguments over SNAP. Uh, whatever they can work out with the Senate, I can go along with. We're talking with the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson. What are the issues to be resolved yet on conservation? Well, uh, the House uh, made some cuts, um, and that's, I think, concerning to the Senate. Uh, the House has the merger of the CSP and EQIP program, uh, which I know has concerns in the Senate. Uh, and then uh, the CRP issue, uh, you know, is very different in the Senate compared to the House. So I, I would say those are the three main issues that got to get, that have to get resolved and i'm not exactly sure how that's going to get done but uh, we are going to start having discussions about that and uh, um, I, i'm sure we can get it worked out it's just going to take some time and what about the funding issue the dollars for this well uh that's you know going to be an issue again i think between the chairman uh, over here on the House side and the Senate because they took money from the cotton program, which um, the chairman has the biggest cotton district in the country. So they took money out of the cotton program and used it to fund some things that they wanted in the Senate. Uh, again, uh, I don't know how that's going to get worked out, but um, as was said yesterday, uh, everybody that was on the call said, we're going to get this done and we're going to get it done on time. And um, so somehow or another get worked out, but uh, that's, again, not uh, something I'm going to be that involved in. Uh, you know, the, I'm, I'm involved in dairy. That's fairly close uh, in terms of the um, 
where both of the bills are and, uh, you know, the conservation, the CRP stuff. I've got some strong feelings there, and uh, hopefully uh, we can rein in some of the abuses that are going on in the CRP system, and we can increase the acreage. Um, so we'll just have to see how that works out. Is September 30th the real deadline, or is the December 31st the hard deadline uh, that you're looking at? No, I think for us uh, the real deadline is September 30th, um, which means we have to have this worked out probably by the middle of September, you know, so we can get the drafting done, get it to the president's desk on time. But the problem is if we wait, you know, and we don't get it done by September 30th, then we've got to deal with an extension. And that's problematic, uh, you know, and is it going to be, a, you know, an extension for a few months or is it going to be for a year? Um, that gets that all uh, into question. So, you know, that's not a good option. We, we need to get this done. We're all committed to getting it done. And uh, there's no reason why we can't get it done, you know, so we just have to work hard and, and uh, work through these issues. So you think once you get back, uh, would this be right at the top of the list, getting this done? I think so. I mean, everybody that I, you know, for, for the uh, us leaders on the Ag Committee, it's uh, the top issue. Uh, for the leadership, uh, they've all said they want this done. McConnell wants it done. Pelosi wants it done. Um, you know, uh, Schumer wants it done. I, I, I guess Paul Ryan wants it done. I don't know. Uh, so, I mean, the majority of the people involved in this uh, have made statements that this is going to be uh, on the top of the agenda and that this is something that has to get resolved. And uh, Hopefully, you know, uh, it will be. Are you optimistic? Uh, yeah, I, I am. I think it can get done. Uh, if we don't get some people bringing in stuff that's... Um, not workable you know uh, so we'll just have to keep plugging away and try to you know not get ourselves into any corners that we can't get out of <laughs> hopefully whatever we come up with the president can sign uh, but uh, you know again there's no reason why this uh, shouldn't get done and um, after the call yesterday I think we're all committed to this and I don't we don't see any roadblocks at this point uh, that are insurmountable, so I am optimistic. Very good. Good to hear that. Well, we'll talk again uh, next month as uh, we see how this develops. Thank you for the update, oh. and uh, enjoy the rest of the recess. All right. Thank you very much. We'll see you. Take care. Ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson, as you heard him say, he's more optimistic, certainly sounds more optimistic on the Farm Bill than the last time we talked with him. All right, coming up next, Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. We're going to talk about gene editing, some other key food issues, coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, we've got a bit of a Friday mix. Soybean futures bounced over 3% yesterday after the U.S. and China said they plan to restart talks over trade. Other crops higher as well. Wheat futures rallied yesterday after USDA numbers showed that Improved demand for U.S. grain being seen. USDA said that exporters sold 803,000 metric tons of wheat in the week ending August 9th. The rally continues in the wheat futures. Chicago wheat some 16 to 17 cents higher an hour into the trading day. Kansas City, same range to the top side. Minneapolis spring wheat 12 to 13 and a fraction higher. In soybean futures, we are backpedaling from the Thursday advances. 8 to 9 and a fraction lower. New crop November soared to a sharply firmer close yesterday. That contract closed above its 10-day and 20-day moving averages. Yesterday's action bullish on the charts. The 20-day moving average now becomes support for November soybeans. We've got to hold that to keep the focus on higher levels. 20-day moving average seen at 887 on the upside. First resistance seen at 914 and a half. In corn, the bulls attempting to leave the recent corrective pullback to the 366 level in the dust. But the bulls need to sustain strength above the 20-day moving average of 377 and a half. For livestock at the Merck in lean hog futures, the rally continues. We are 60 to a dollar five higher. Live cattle futures trending 15 to 25 cents higher in the most active contracts. Feeders 20 to 47 cents higher. The Dow down 31. September crude oil up 57. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. I want to thank ranking member Colin Peterson for being on with us last segment. Good to hear that he is optimistic that they can get a farm bill done by September 30th. Again, as he said, uh, they had a conference call yesterday with the leadership of the uh, chairman and ranking members from both committees, and he said that it went well. He identified the big issues, of course, nutrition, conservation, and funding. Says he's not exactly sure yet how they're going to resolve those issues, but uh, he's optimistic that they will be able to. Says he's kind of backing out of the uh, SNAP discussions and thinks that whatever the Republicans can agree to uh, uh, with the Senate Republicans, uh, he's uh, optimistic that he'll be able to go along with that because the, the Senate bill, of course, was a strong vote that did not have uh, the uh, work requirements uh, for the uh, SNAP program that was in the House version. So he's kind of leaning that way still and thinks that that will kind of sounds like he feels that's going to be what they'll what they'll end up with more along the Senate version than the House. So he seems to be okay with that. So, um, well, it was an interesting conversation. Always good to get uh, his take on things because he's such a key member of the negotiations. Uh, such a strong voice, has a lot of experience, a lot of history, track record with getting farm bills done. So um, good to hear that he's optimistic that getting things done by September 30th, although they still got a lot of work to do. All right, want to move on to an interesting topic. The Coalition for Responsible Gene Editing in Agriculture has established a multi-stakeholder steering committee to develop a framework for the uh, responsible use of gene editing in agriculture. The Center for Food Integrity will facilitate the coalition and the CEO of the Center for Food Integrity, Charlie Arnott, is with us now. Charlie, good to talk with you again. Thanks for being with us. Mike, it's always a pleasure. You know, it kind of strikes me, before we get into this, we ought to just start again with an explanation for our listeners. What is gene editing? Well, gene editing is a process whereby um, scientists are able to uh, modify what's what's going on in the genome, either by inserting or deleting a single gene. Um, it's really kind of the next iteration of breeding technology. Um, ever since farmers began to save seed, the, the best producing uh, plants, and then plant them again next year and then crossbreed them, uh, we've continued to see improvements in, in breeding technology. And this is the next iteration, the next evolution that we are seeing where it gives breeders of both plants and animals the opportunity to make some pretty important improvements in terms of a wide range of of benefits, whether it's increasing productivity, uh, the ability to capture nitrogen from the air and use it as fertilizer to prevent disease, uh, make food more nutritious and last longer. There's a whole range of, of gene editing applications. And what's fascinating about the technology is today the majority of patent holders are academics. So this is really coming from research universities and other small companies and and making its way through the system. So it's a technology with tremendous potential, uh, but that potential will only be realized if it ultimately has food system and consumer acceptance. Well, that was going to be my next question. Will this be less controversial than GMOs? I think there's an opportunity for those in agriculture and, and those developing the technology to uh, really build a, a fundamentally different platform for this, to, to be more transparent, to be more engaged in the conversation, and to talk about the environmental and social benefits as well as the benefits to agriculture. Um, so I think there are a number of things that are, that are different about gene editing. 
Um, it's not transgenic. That's a fairly technical distinction in terms of not bringing in DNA from, from another species. Uh, clearly, USDA has recognized and said that in plants, if, if, it's, if it's a change that could occur in nature, it's not going to have additional regulation beyond the regulatory framework that is in place today for, uh, for plant breeding. So that's a very positive step. Um, but I think the, the key is to, to help those in the food system and those who are interested, not all consumers are, but those consumers who are, understand the distinction and also understand the, the significant social and environmental benefits, not just the benefits to agriculture, but the benefits to the environment, the benefits to consumers, the benefits to animals uh, that are really brought to bear through gene editing. So I think there is an opportunity, uh, but the industry needs to uh, embrace that opportunity to engage more aggressively and proactively in the communication, uh, to be more transparent and through the work that we're doing, hopefully through the Coalition for Responsible Use, uh, to demonstrate that those who are bringing the technology to market are committed to doing so in a way that, that is going to be supported by a wide range of stakeholders. It would seem it's critical then to get this off in the public eye on the right foot. It, uh, the GMO issue got negatively portrayed uh, early on, and we've been trying to catch up on that ever since. So. It's important then to educate the public about this because there will be critics that will try to demonize it and and confuse consumers and and lump it in with everything else that they're already concerned about with with biotechnology. So getting accurate information out will be key. No, you're absolutely right. That's absolutely a a crucial component of being successful. And um, There are going to be a number of different organizations that are involved in that, and that's crucial too because we know today that consumers crowdsource their knowledge. Um, they're going to get it from a lot of different places, and so we're going to need a, a wide variety of messengers, and we're going to need to be in a number of different places in order to have that conversation, uh, whether it's those who are concerned about the environment or those who are concerned about animal treatment or nutrition or um, science being applied in the food system. We've got to be able to engage with all those different groups in a way that helps them understand the, the significant benefits and the advantages that gene editing brings to the issues they're concerned about. And I think that is a real opportunity. And you're, you're, you're seeing groups come together to, to make that happen, whether it's uh, BIO or the American Seed Trade Association or CFI or others. Um, and one of the things we're doing is, is putting together a communications toolkit uh, that we'll have ready later this fall to help anyone who's interested in communicating about gene editing do so more effectively. We're talking with Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. Charlie, it's often been said that Early on when GMOs were being developed, uh, the emphasis was on how it helped farmers in production, and we've, we really didn't explain to consumers the benefits that they were would receive from GMOs, and that's what got it off on the wrong foot and, and led to so much criticism and distrust. Uh, how can we get the message out of the importance of this to everyone, this technology? I think there are a number of different ways to do that. Um, From the research that's been done, and we've been very fortunate that that companies and and associations and academics that have done research around how to communicate gene editing have been willing to share that with CFI. Uh, What we know is that that talking about the medical applications can be very helpful because people can relate to that. The fact that gene editing can be used to treat things like uh, sickle cell anemia and to treat cancer and to treat other kinds of chronic diseases to be able to have that conversation is a great way to kind of lead into that discussion. And then to talk about the broader benefits. Uh, For example, there's a gene editing application uh, that impacts microbes in the soil that allows those microbes to capture nitrogen from the air and attach it to the roots of corn plants. 
So now all of a sudden, rather than having to apply supplemental anhydrous, you've got the ability to capture at, uh, nitrogen from the atmosphere and use that instead, uh, which obviously has benefits to farmers, but in terms of benefits to society, uh, reduces or eliminates the risk of runoff. Obviously, things like the dead zone in the Gulf has a positive impact there. Uh, the application where uh, it prevents pigs from getting furs, clearly a benefit to producers and, and to hog farmers. But as importantly, it's going to prevent suffering, it's going to prevent disease, it's going to prevent premature death, things that those who care about animals care about. So while there are clearly benefits to agriculture in all of these applications, we need to think about and communicate what are the broader benefits to society and those who are interested in things like protecting the environment, the treatment of animals, food safety, et cetera because there are some significant benefits there, but we learned from the GMO uh, conversation, the GMO process, we've got to talk about those benefits as well, but we also know from the research that's been done, entering that conversation through the medical discussion and helping people understand this is the same technology that's coming up with medical cures, but it's being applied to agriculture, really helps then create a context that makes it more acceptable for consumers because they can personalize those benefits. What are the critics saying? What, what's the argument against? Well, the argument is, is, is the argument we've heard for, for years, that this is uh, you know, technology that should be applied, uh, that this is an extension of, of GMOs, um, the, the same kind of, of arguments that we've heard consistently. But it's not getting a lot of traction. This is still early enough in its evolution and introduction that there is a real opportunity here. But one of the things we're doing through this Coalition for Responsible Use is trying to put together a framework to demonstrate to the public that those who are bringing the technology are doing so responsibly. And we've got um, some of the non-governmental organizations, uh, advocacy groups like the World Wildlife Fund, Nature Conservancy, uh, Center for Science and the Public Interest, as well as companies like PepsiCo and Costco, all a part of this coalition in addition to those who are from agriculture. So I think by getting a wide range of stakeholders engaged in this conversation early, we've got an opportunity to really counter that misinformation and the negative perception that critics are promoting. All right. So how are you going to go about it? Well, we're having a series of of conversations and meetings with this group to begin to establish what does responsible use look like, uh, what kind of transparency is expected, what kind of applications are acceptable, what kind of applications are not acceptable, and getting some consensus around that uh, by a wide range of stakeholders so they can then promote that as as a, a platform for those who are using gene editing. Uh, to build that level of trust. And when we've got the support of large food companies, from NGOs, from academics and others, it helps counter the the negative information and the opposition of critics. So by getting this group to to work collectively, finding solutions that are credible, workable, and affordable, we can begin to frame what constitutes responsible use. And when we do that successfully, hopefully it's it's a process that builds greater support for the technology because there's no question and, and no debate, really, about whether or not the technology can benefit agriculture and benefit society. There's wide uh, consensus around that, and around that question. The question is, can we build public support for it? All right, Charlie. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll be in touch with you to keep uh, the information out there about the, the work that you're doing and get, the, get this message, message out. Thank you so much. Mike, always a pleasure. Take care. Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. All right, coming up next, we'll talk about tax deduction for farmers and ranchers you need to keep up to date on and that may help you. We'll talk with Pat Wolf with the American Farm Bureau Federation coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. I have a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow, and here's my best offer ever. That's right. Get 50% off the four-pack of two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. To order, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get 50% off the four-pack of two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Call 800-871-7280 or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code FARM11. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. 
Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, we have heard that this uh, 20% tax uh, deduction for so-called pass-through entities could be good for some farmers and ranchers. Let's talk about it with Pat Wolf, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Pat, thanks for joining us. Uh, Kind of break this down for us and tell us how it would work and who would benefit from it. The tax reform bill that passed last fall uh, lowered tax rates for corporations, and it provided a new 20% deduction, 20% of business income deduction for non-incorporated businesses. So most farmers and ranchers are non-incorporated, and they are able to take this new 20% deduction. Uh, Everybody has been waiting for the IRS to answer some questions about how this would work, and uh, last week the IRS did put out proposed rules. Now, these are proposed rules. They're up for comment, but they should be counted on as advice until the final rule is out. So do you Um, see this as a positive? This is, there was some good news in the rules that came out uh, from the IRS. One had to deal with aggregation. There was a big question about what would happen when a farmer or a rancher had multiple entities um, in his business. Say if he had one one business that owned the land and another part of his business that did the farming on the land, uh, would that be aggregated for purposes of this 20% deduction? And the answer is yes, uh, that can be aggregated. So that should provide uh, the biggest possible benefit for uh, farmers who have multiple entities. So that was a big, big win to have this aggregation rule that you get one 20% deduction instead of uh, several little 20% deductions. Um, The other big question dealt with how the IRS would treat rental income. And would it be allowed to be counted for the 20% deduction? Of course, it's better if it is because then the deduction is bigger. And the IRS made clear that when there is rent uh, between business entities, that that income does qualify for the deduction, so that's a 20% off of the rent. Uh, But it looks like 
that when there's rental income from an unrelated uh, source or when the, the person who owns the land isn't involved in the business, an absentee landowner, uh, that will not count. Um, so that's a little bit questionable. Uh, we're hoping that in the comment period uh, this becomes clear, but uh, that wouldn't count for the deduction. So the comment period lasts how long? It's a 45-day comment period, so it uh, okay. started last week. Uh, CPAs, accountants, uh, Farm Bureau will be filing comments, and our uh, our goal will be to have the regulations improved to allow the biggest deduction possible for farmers and ranchers. And again, we're talking about allowing a farm and ranch business to take a deduction worth 20% of their business income. So what do farmers need to keep in mind if this goes through to make sure they take full advantage of this? Well, the first thing farmers should be doing is talking to their accountants. Uh, the rules that came out were 187 pages long. Uh, that's a lot of details, and that means that each individual farmer or rancher will be impacted just a little differently. So now is a good time to get together with your accountant and uh, make any plans that you need to, uh, make any adjustments that you need to to maximize the benefit. Um, so that that is the first thing that should happen. And even though a lot of, there are a few unanswered questions, we're we're talking about the difference between the deduction being good and very good. We're, we're not talking about a situation, uh, a downside to this new 20% business deduction. Well, that's good to hear. So it's it's good or very good? Yes. yes. Good and options, good, good choices to have then. <laughs> good options. And many of the things in the rule are, are for sure, and farmers can bank on those and sh- should start planning that way. And then... Uh, but it's also important to recognize what's still up in the air uh, and plan for that, too. Anything else from a tax perspective? And we're hearing about perhaps more tax reform coming. Anything that you're seeing or hearing that uh, farmers and ranchers need to keep in mind? Yes, there is a new bill expected in the House in September. It's called Tax Reform 2.0. It was announced in July, right before the recess in general, and the legislation and the details are expected in September. The the House uh, wants to pass this bill before the end of September. And the big thing in there for farmers and ranchers is that it would take all of the pass-through business deductions, like the 20% deduction that we're just talking about, and make it permanent. the good thing about tax reform is it uh, raised the estate tax exemption. It provided these new deductions for farmers and ranchers. But those new provisions, those things, good things that were in tax reform, expire after 2025. So tax reform 2.0 will be on the House floor, introduced and on the House floor in September. So what happens with that uh, will help with farm planning because you know, it's difficult to run a business when you don't know what the tax code is going to be from one year to the next. So the Congress is trying to get ahead 
and make that permanent. Um, the other thing that should happen before the end of the year is a decision on the biodiesel tax credit. Uh, that's a temporary provision that uh, expired at the end of last year, and we're we're expecting congressional action on that too. Which would be very, very helpful to the biodiesel industry for sure. All right, Pat, thank you for the updates. Very good. Uh, good luck out there. Uh, happy harvesting. All right, thanks, Pat. That is Pat Wolf, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, everyone, and be sure to join us again on Monday for AOA Adams on Agriculture. <music> 